welcome. It is the Independence Gang. I'm your host, JV, along with co-host tonight, Benny, filling in for the infamous Britt Griffith. Benny, I just have one question before we get started here. Are you going to make me take us to Conspiracy Junction? Are we going to avoid the train ride tonight? What's it going to be like? Just give me a sense. Well, first of all, I'm honored to be here. I'm in (laughs) Britt Square, and I know it's big shoes to fill. I'm going to do the crazy train crowd proud. Um, it might be derailed. Let's just say that. I, it might, the whole thing might be derailed by the end of the night. We'll see. Not just big shoes, but big pants, too. Britt has very large pants <laughs> and, <laughs> and a big helmet because his head is huge. Like mine, I wear a big helmet, too. Anyway, welcome to everybody. Uh, Juliet, good to see you. Taryn, welcome back to the program. Great to have you both on with us. And welcome to everybody in chat as well. If you're new to the program, make sure you subscribe. Hit the like button, the thumbs up uh, button on YouTube. And if you're watching us on Twitch, Follow us there. If you'd like to subscribe, we would welcome that as well. We've got a lot to talk about. There's been so much happening in the last uh, 48 hours since the show was on last that I think we need to get right into it. And I want to spend a minute talking about um, this infrastructure bill. Now, just to remind folks, there are two infrastructure bills that are basically being worked on simultaneously. One is this so-called a bipartisan infrastructure bill where 10 Republicans and 10 Democrats got together. And that 10 number is an important number because it means if those 10 Republicans support the the final bill, it, it won't uh, it won't be blocked by a filibuster. So 10 Republicans, 10 Democrats get together. They've been working on this for months to come up with a infrastructure bill that focuses mostly, according to them, roads, bridges, tunnels, maybe Internet, you know, some, some of the things that we could traditionally accept as being infrastructure. They've come out with their proposal and it is now being going through the debate process, the amendment process in the Senate. We're going to talk a little bit about what's in this thing because... Um, Republicans who are supporting this should be really ashamed of themselves because all the while, while this is happening, the Democrats are working on another infrastructure bill, which they plan to pass through the reconciliation gimmick uh, gimmick, uh, that they use in the Senate to pass budgetary items, and they can do that without the fear of a filibuster. So two bills, the bipartisan bill And the Democrat bill, they total over $4 trillion, close to $5 trillion. Let's spend a minute talking about the bipartisan bill. There's a lot of things in this package. One of the things is uh, Amtrak is is scheduled to receive $32 billion in addition um, to another $26 billion for a $58 billion infusion. Uh, And by the way, did you know, Taryn, that Hunter Biden in 2006 was appointed to the board of Amtrak? Were you aware of that? I, I thought I heard something that I, I don't, I mean, nothing surprises me with uh, Hunter Biden anymore or anything anymore um, with them. I feel like it doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter what happens, they blatantly just do things right in the public eye and it's like nothing gets done about it. Yeah, it seems like they they act with impunity. No one seems to even raise an eyebrow, especially in the media. It's quite quite comical if it wasn't so sad. Juliet, you're going to be a little more bothered by this one because I certainly was. Remember, we can we could argue that Amtrak and rail rail transportation is part of infrastructure. That is certainly a debate that uh, has merit. However, this one's a little strange to me. There's also a discussion or part of this bill that uh, includes. Um, that the Secretary of Transportation issue a standard that requires passenger motor vehicles manufactured in the United States after the date, effective date, whatever that date is to be set as. Um, It'll require those vehicles to be equipped with advanced drunk driving prevention technology. So part of infrastructure here in this particular bill is that they're going to have monitoring systems in every car that will determine whether you have alcohol on your breath. And if you do... It won't let you obviously start your car. Is that infrastructure, do you think? Um, I don't really see how that's infrastructure. Um, I do see like it's probably a violation of our rights. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, you know, we have things set up to deal with drunk driving. Drunk driving is terrible. It costs a lot of lives. But do we really need to be checking every driver every time they start a car? I don't think so. I really don't think that's necessary. But... Here we are. Yeah. They're just going to sneak anything they can in there. Well, you know, the thing is they, they do this already in court-ordered situations. If you have had, I don't know what, what states do it, and I'm not sure what the threshold to get there is, 
But some states, if you have had a drunk driving conviction, they require that for a certain period of time you have one of these devices installed in your car where you have to blow into it before you start the car every time. Um, I don't know. We could we could discuss whether or not it's appropriate for people who've had a, a conviction, and that's part of their penalty, I guess. I don't know. But this is a little bit uh, a little strange. Once they start monitoring alcohol on your breath, what other things on their on your breath, Benny? Are they going to start monitoring for what other um, biometric data are they going to collect every time you get in your car to determine whether or not you should be maybe not starting the car, but maybe driving across a state line or maybe, you know, traveling to a gun store or, you know, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. I mean, those, um, a, a lot of that technology can be used for good, you know, prevent, preventing, um, people that are, you know, too drunk to drive, you know, to, uh, for, from traveling and, you know, potentially, um, killing somebody, but, uh, everything is good in intent until the ones who have the power to, use it against us, <laughs> gain that power. So um, my, my main concern, and while, while everything that you mentioned is, is a bit of a concern, my main concern is the fact that uh, for vehicles that have that technology, they would have to have their own Wi-Fi signal, uh, almost like a traveling router. A lot of new cars already have this. Um, I was in my buddy's new car um, a few weeks ago and he had 5G in his car. And I said, can we roll the windows down in this thing? Um, but the, the EMF radiation can't go through <laughs> aluminum, can't go through glass. It was just bouncing off of us. I could feel my cells cooking. I was dying at a molecular level. And uh, now all these cars are going to have um, you know, 5G installed in them to support this technology that if it's a law, then they have to have 5G. So um, you know, it's, it, it's really just a soft kill. Um, it sounds good on paper. But um, you really have to look at the residual effects. Another thing in this particular bill is a diversity recruitment provision. The Department of Transportation will receive $20 million, and that's a drop in the bucket compared to $1.2 trillion. Uh, but it'll receive this $20 million to increase awareness of career opportunities in the transportation sector and diversity, including race, gender, ethnicity, veteran status, and socioeconomic status of professionals in the transportation sector. So, Taryn, again, they're using every bill. Everything they passed includes some type of racial component um, that is designed in many ways to be a sort of a reverse racism uh, or an affirmative action, if you will. 1,000%. I mean... I'm just gonna say I'm a Redskins fan. So um, today I heard that uh, they are banning any uh, native Indian uh, headgear. You know, a lot of uh, fans will wear, you know, Native American garb and this and that. They're banning that and anything that has to do with, you know, a native Indian. Um, which I think is ridiculous. I feel like that in itself, how isn't that racist that you're removing all of this stuff where basically this was put in place to honor, you know, people who, um, you know, were, I don't, I don't know what, what, what word to use, but, you know, it, it, they were put to honor it and, and they're taking everything away from that there's there's going to be nothing anymore to to honor i mean aunt jemima you know all of it so and it's just to have control they can do it it's just to have control that's that's their ultimate end goal there is to have, just have the control and have all the money because again like i said before it comes down to money yeah, they want to control everything, and they certainly want all of our money. Juliet, another uh, provision in this infrastructure bill. Remember, we're talking about an infrastructure bill. The provision is one that will actually, in addition to uh, having a standard by which you have to have your breath monitored to see if there's alcohol on it, they're going to start tracking how many miles you drive your car. They're going to want to know not only what miles you put on the vehicle, but where those miles are. This is an interesting turn of events here because it's in this particular bill, it says that uh, the uh, Secretary of Transportation will start a test of monitoring mileage and then come up with a proposal 
that allow the federal government to institute a mileage tax. Now, this, of course, is because they've been pushing people away from gasoline-powered vehicles. They intend to continue to push people away from gasoline-powered vehicles. And those vehicles um, and that gasoline provides a lot of tax revenue for the government. And when that disappears... They're going to be looking for a new source of revenue, so they're going to start taxing miles. But this is a, this is also in the infrastructure bill. Yeah, I mean, like I feel like this can't be legal. I don't know. I mean, that the way that that could be misused is just mind blowing, honestly. And anyway, why is it the government's business where I'm going or what I'm doing or how many miles I drive? You know, like I mean, I understand the whole push for electric cars and they need their money one way or the other. But honestly, our grid can't sustain everybody driving electric cars anyway, so that's a total pipe dream. So I just, I feel like it's another method of control, and they want to see what we're doing all the time, where we're going. And I mean, honestly, the people that drive the most are usually in more rural communities, I would say. You know, you have to go a lot further to the grocery store, so we're going to tax them to death. That's it's totally unfair, but you know, not that they care about fair ever. Yeah, and that is absolutely true. This would hurt people in rural communities much more because they tend to drive further distances to do anything, whether it's go to the grocery store or go to work. It doesn't really matter. Uh, one more thing, Benny, and then I'll let you take it. But uh, clearly in any bill like this, particularly when you're trying to get key senators on board to support it, there's a whole bunch of little block grants that offer little perks and little little vote buying uh, projects within states and districts. Of course, we're talking about senators. We're talking about states. There's a, a major uh, uh, highway program proposed in this for Republican um, Senator uh, Lisa Murkowski, who's one of the negotiators. There's another one for Utah for Senator Mitt Romney. Uh, and that list goes on and on. So these little pork projects that allow these senators to go home and say, see, I brought you $20 billion for your project. Please vote for me. You know, the bill is filled with those. Oh, of course it is. And I, uh, I, I'm, I'm appalled that um, you have freedom, freedom promoting and freedom loving so-called um representatives that are allowing this in there um i i i don't know any citizen who would willfully vote for such a thing yet this stuff's being put in there by the people that we vote for uh Mitt romney you know being one of them um there's a ton a ton of republicans um who who have are just career politicians as corrupt as they come um rhinos and they need they need to be removed because uh, most often the Democrats do not fight for individual liberty or freedom. Sometimes they do, and I and I can get on board with that honestly. Um, but most of the time, it's coming from the right. Um, but if you have people that are on the right that are supposed to be representing us, and they're not, they have to be voted out. Because, like I said, I don't know a single person, right or left, who would vote for this crap yet they are able to do so because they've been elected to represent us and they don't represent us. So we've got to kick them out. Go ahead, Benny. I know you got some stuff you want to talk about. We're speaking of the infrastructure bill and I know climate change was, um, what was a huge part of that. And, um, I have a, I have an article here and the headline is record growth of coral cover on great barrier reef provides latest proof that human caused climate change is a hoax. Uh, go figure. Now, as you guys probably remember, um, in the sixties, um, Americans and Westerners were told about overpopulation being uh, this big thing that um, you know, is, is going to destroy, destroy the planet. So they try to cut back on family size. And in the 70s, there was a brief period that they warned about global cooling. It was being caused by burning fossil fuels. And they were warning everyone, like these doomsday people, that a new ice age is going to come upon us. In the 80s and 90s, it changed the global warming as averages, average temperatures sort of increased upward. But now the verbiage has changed uh, to climate change and it's our new planet ending danger. When you look at the data, and this is from the Australian Institute of Marine Science, it, um, their dat new data shows that the Great Barrier Reef is um, doing extremely well and that this is always a sign that the climate is restabilizing and it's good for not only human life, but all species uh, for that matter. Taryn, I have a question regarding that. Why isn't the Western media 
reporting on these things? You know, um, why are they ignoring data that shows um, the opposite of what the narrative is? Um, they're either ignoring it or refusing to report on such news. Well, you know, there's, I mean, I don't think I'm a conspiracist, but I'm going to tell you, they're never, they have not reported on anything that was the truth. That's why, I mean, they don't want, they're, they're basically shutting up the, the right side of things. They're shutting the Republicans up, the conservatives, you know, they're only letting, you know, the, the, the Democrats and the left side and, so nobody, they're not going to report. That's just how it is. That's why I can't watch the news anymore. Social media, news, I mean, they don't report anything that is legit. Even when there are facts, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, and I agree. And I think when Donald Trump was talking about how the media, mainstream media, is the enemy of the people, I think that's what he had in mind. Uh, Juliet, I'm going to change, um, change gears just a tiny bit here. Um, there was a new uh, poll put out by the uh, Pew Research Center, um, and it talks about um, in the United States, um, there's a rapid decline of Christianity, and um, the pace is like never never before seen um, since they started um, you know, polling such data. 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christian. This is down from 12 percentage points um, just in the past five years, and 20% identify as Catholic, down from 23%. Uh, also in 2009, 17% of Americans now describe themselves as having no religion, nothing in particular, and that's up from 12% also um, a decade ago. John Adams had, had a great quote, and he said, the Constitution is made only for a religious and moral society. It is wholly inadequate for the governance of any other. With this alarming downward trend in both religion and morality, I mean, if you just look at pop culture, Watch a halftime show at the Super Bowl if you can stomach the SJW crap that goes on uh, in in most sports. You know, just look at what they're being you know taught in school. The way the way that I've always seen it is that because uh, I'm a Christian myself, and the Bible tells us to submit to governing authorities. Uh, but in this country, the governing authority is not whichever party is in power um, or a specific person. It's the Constitution. I think Nazi Germany or communist China, for instance, um, sometimes the governing authority is evil. And as Benjamin Franklin said, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. So, Juliet, is it about time that Christians stood up to a corrupt and evil government? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I talk about this a lot, actually. It's, it's hard because they have very slowly managed to all of the big social issues not okay not all not every single one but a lot of the big social issues are things that eventually believing christians are not going to be able to um compromise on like you know transitioning young children and stuff like that i mean it goes against what most christians believe right so they have not only are we not as religious as we used to be they're turning public opinion against like religious belief in this very sneaky way and you know I'm, i have to say i'm happy that it's only 17 percent that are identifying as not religiously affiliated it feels like it must be so much more it feels like nobody is religious anymore but i think it's because we're all afraid to talk about it we're silenced like you mm -hmm. yes, don't want to bring it up it's controversial Daniel Webster, you know, who created, um, you know, helped create uh, Webster's Dictionary, had a great quote about. He said, "Education is useless without the Bible." <laughs> so, uh, I thought I thought that was interesting. And JV, speaking of great quotes, um, uh, before the show, we were just talked discussing Alexis um, de Tocqueville, and um, I know you have some great quotes by him um, in regards to in regards to this topic. And not a lot of people know about uh, this person. Um, you know, I, I don't think. We were taught about him in school. Um, I, I know I wasn't. Um, so if you could just uh, tell us a little bit about his uh, his his story, and as well as um, you know, give us a quote or two that I think would be top. Yeah. Well, in, in full disclosure, I don't know a whole lot about his story other than the fact that at some point he was either dispatched to the United States. Or he decided as an academic study to go to the United States and examine, learn about American democracy. This was in the middle of the 19th century. So America was about 75 
you know, years old or so at that time. It was pre-Civil War. And de Tocqueville spent a great deal of time in the United States observing, talking to politicians, talking to citizens, and trying to get an understanding why the American experiment was actually working as well as it was. Because nowhere in the world had people been given the ability to govern govern themselves as was being done in the United States. So de Tocqueville wrote uh, some amazing um, essays and a book based on his findings about the American experiment, and he was very, very impressed. But he did have some very chilling observations, and a couple of them, and we've used some of these quotes on this program before. One of my favorites is this one. It says, the American Republic will endure until the day Congress discovers that it can bribe the public with the public's money. And, you know, I've thought several times we've reached that point, but man, just based on what we we're talking about with this infrastructure bill and what's going on in Washington right now with $5 trillion, $7 trillion, $9 trillion of additional uh, spending that is not budgeted for, but it's extraordinary spending, we're seeing a new level of that going on. But he also said something in relation to what you were just talking about, Benny. He said the, um, that uh, the American Republic or any uh country that harbors liberty like america does can't be established and can't be maintained without morality and morality can't be maintained without faith and i'll tell you what you know my opinion i'm not a particularly religious person i was uh, brought up catholic i never really went to church with the exception of an occasional holiday weddings and funerals um but i fully embrace the ideas and when the country starts to lose its appreciation for these christian ideas you know just look at the ten commandments i don't think there are too many of those commandments that you would argue with you know thou thou shalt not kill uh you know you know those are things that that are codified in our law and when we start walking away from those ideas just because they're part of a religion you know we're abandoning some guiding principles that are necessary for a free nation to survive and that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Um, and, and I, too, am surprised that that number is only 17% because I'm with Juliet. It seems to be far greater number of people who are turning their back on religion. And I'm not suggesting that everybody needs to find themselves in church on Sundays. That's right for some people. It's not right for everybody. But I do think understanding the teachings of particularly what Christianity and um, Judaism and even some of the, some some other religions that I'm not as familiar with, these are good teachings. These are teachings that help guide society to be a better place for people to live. Look at what's happening on the streets. Look at what happens when a guy walks up to a random stranger, punches him in the face, knocks him out, beats the shit out of him on the sidewalk, and then goes through his pockets, does it all in broad daylight and uh, in front of a camera without any kind of remorse. The, these are the types of things that, that religious teachings teach against. And as people lose those ideas, they do things like that. I mean, how many, how many things have we caught on camera in the last couple of months of people just behaving monstrously right on our city streets i mean this is this is this is common and it's becoming more and more common and it's because we've walked away from these principles call them religious call them whatever you want they're they're you know it's the golden rule you know treat others as you'd want yourself treated i mean that's those are words that are uh, that that are important to live by regardless of where they've come from so um that's how i Absolutely. see it that's how i see it do you want me to go from here or do you have something else you want to tackle right now oh go ahead i just want to quickly follow up on something that that, that juliet was saying yeah. um and uh, and also you uh, the golden rule those were jesus's words um but i feel like um if libraries around the you know uh cities you know knew that you know I, i've seen them on library walls and i'm like do you know who said <laughs> exactly that? Well, yeah. it's like, no i say well i don't want to tell you because you're probably going to take it down um yeah. but to, to, to juliet's point um you know uh, it, it does seem as if the majority are not only non-religious but you know vehemently against religion right i just think that they have loud voices on social media and christians are you know like juliet said uh have been timid to speak out about such things as you know anti-big government and and um and the like and uh, it's about time that we started to raise our voices um you know um to stand up against you know tyranny all right let's get moving on here uh, this this is a little bit more comical i think we're going to find a little bit uh, something to smile about with this particular article there is one of these clown 
lawmakers from Texas. You know, this group of lawmakers who fled Texas because they wanted to deny the Texas legislature from having a quorum so they couldn't pass their election reform legislation. So these clowns all jump on a private plane that cost $100,000. They're not wearing masks. They got a case of Miller Lite. They drink shitty beer. Nothing against Miller Lite. But they don't have very good taste in beer. They fly to D.C. They get to D.C. They have a stupid session where they sing a song horribly. I can't I can't remember what the song was but it was horrible and then they give each other covid and and the vice president has to be rushed to the hospital to make sure she's okay which frankly she's not okay whether she has covid or not she's she's uh, uh, crazy um but it, I mean, the whole thing's been a clown show with these democrats and it's been the worst optics they could possibly have and i, I get a little satisfaction out of that well now it's reported that two of these lawmakers have been found out that they didn't stay in Washington. So they're telling their constituents, we're in Washington, D.C., fighting for voter uh, reform, whatever they're calling it, election integrity, whatever the words they use, which is just a complete misrepresentation. But they didn't. They stayed there for a little while. Then they hopped on a plane, two lawmakers uh, and their significant others. So it's four people all together hopped on a plane to Portugal. They're in Europe vacationing. While they're pretending to be in Washington, D.C., fighting this fight. The alleged international trip was first reported by Texas Monthly writer John Tillove, who said Gonzalez and Johnson, those are the two lawmakers, uh, Representative Jessica Gonzalez and Representative Julie Johnson, um, they hopped aboard a flight for a Portuguese vacation. They'd had this thing planned for their romant with their romantic partners for over a year and it was non-refundable. So they went. They are participating in the meetings through Zoom calls, but they're denying, they're not telling anybody they're not there and they're not answering questions about where they are. So Taryn, you know, these lawmakers are trying to be all high and mighty. They're sacrificing. They're fighting the civil rights fight. They're as good as Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and every other one of uh, the civil rights leaders of the past and they're fighting their work but these two hopped on a plane and went to portugal and yucking it up over in europe this whole time again nothing surprises me and they're and and, and honestly like silent like she's not they're not saying uh, who i mean are we really going to get the truth about anything anyway yeah, no matter true. what they say yeah, they, they, no. they've been asked point blank about this, and neither one of them, Gonzalez or Johnson, will conclusively deny that they're on vacation in Europe, but uh, they also have not appeared in public in D.C. All the other lawmakers have. You know, I mean, all the evidence, they, they, one of the reporters saw them get on the plane. They know they're not there, but they're playing coy with the media, Juliet. They don't want to admit to it because, it's again, it makes this thing just uh, another uh, degree of a clown show. Absolutely. And like, but where is the outrage? Do you remember when Ted Cruz had the audacity oh, to yeah. fly his teenage daughters to Mexico? And everybody was like, he should be here. First of all, he's a senator, not a governor, right? Like he, he that's not really his job to deal with the energy crisis during a that's snowstorm. Right. That's right. I don't know what to be doing. But I mean, and he immediately came back to the media and he said, look, guys, like I was just flying my teenage daughters down there. I'm not going to let them fly by themselves to Mexico. Like, not as bad as you're making it out to be he at least owned up to it explained it and these guys are like yeah whatever like, <laughs> our phones don't work in europe it's fine yeah he got he was excoriated for that and uh it was during that point where all the uh, the green energy stuff had failed in texas they didn't have electricity during that cold snap people couldn't heat their homes it was quite a mess down there and and you're absolutely right juliet uh Senator Ted Cruz really has no jurisdiction or authority over that. It is the governor's responsibility. It's the legislature's responsibility. He was just kind of, uh, you know, he just has, uh, he's a representative from Texas and D.C. and really didn't have any part of it. But, man, they nailed him for it, Benny. They didn't give him a break. He got he got back on the plane, came right back, apologized, to Juliet, as Juliet said, uh, you know, made good for it, if you will, um, and owned up to it. These two are hiding in Portugal somewhere, pretending they're in D.C., <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, the, the hypocrisy and uh, the, the double standard is, um, you know, glaring at this point. And, uh, you know, I think I think it's it's up to the media to call these people out. But a lot of times the media is in the left's back pocket um, or vice versa. So, um, you know, like, like Tara was saying, it's hard to 
you know, uh, you know, get this truth out, out, out to the masses. But I assume that these people will not be reelected, um, or, or at least I hope not. I hope that the uh, citizens that vote these people in in Texas uh, will, will see this, wake up to the fact that these people do not represent them. They're lying to them, uh, to their face, and, you know, it's time for them to go. I'm going to talk about one more thing, and we'll go around again, Benny, then you can take it here. But this is, uh, this is something a little more uh, consequential. The Biden administration has done absolutely nothing to sanction China for the cyber attacks. And the reason they're saying they haven't done anything is because they can't get consensus from our allies on what the punishment should be. President Joe Biden has declined to impose a direct punishment for a massive cyber attack that was blamed on blamed on Chinese intelligence officials because U.S. allies aren't prepared to join in such a confrontational step. Taryn, should uh, should U.S. policy solely be dependent upon what our allies are and aren't willing to do? No, no. And the the the, the last I still think Trump is my president. I still look at him as my as my president. Um, none of this stuff would be going on right now. You know, um, America should be first. We should be first. Our citizens should be first. Um, so, absolutely not. Juliet, the thing that I find most disturbing about this, it's not just this incident. It's the fact that every single day, more information comes out about China's culpability in the uh, release of and the transmission of the COVID virus. It's clear and it's virtually certain that this virus escaped from their lab because they mismanaged the lab and then they covered it up for months when they knew it was dangerous. And there has been absolutely zero effort to confront China on this and to hold them responsible and make people understand they are accountable and they need to be held accountable. And, you know, on top of that, now we have no action on this massive cyber attack. Uh, not that the Biden administration is playing favorites, but it seems like they're playing favorites. Oh, yeah. He, they they praise China all the time. And do you remember it was like a week ago that they that he Biden said he was gonna, you know, like we could go to a real war with Russia if, over like cyber attacks. You know, he made this like like thinly veiled threat about a real war with guns over cyber attacks coming from Russia. But then when we know that like not just it came from China, we're talking like Chinese government, the CCP was behind this. And we're like, well, nobody has our back, so I guess we won't do anything about it. Like, you know, I mean, it's like we are acting afraid of them. They're the bully, and we just kind of take it, and we're like, okay, but we'll still be friends. And that's, uh, J Benny, that's the, the real point here. Juliet just illustrated it, is that we, we, we've heard of Russia collusion. We heard of Russia hacking. We've heard of Russian election interference. Uh, you know, to quote Donald Trump, Russia, Russia, Russia. We hear it all the time. And yet China is it's truly doing these things. China is truly a culprit and a threat. And yet it's like crickets. There's nothing. There's nothing. Well, I, I mean, in my opinion, uh, we've, our country has been taken over by China, um, you know, not in a military uh, type fashion, uh, but in Hollywood, you know, uh, in pop culture, education, which is more indoctrination than education now. Uh, as well as in politics, Biden is China's China's guy. You know um, the ties there. Uh, you you cannot ignore uh, his son and um, his, his family. I mean, you you can't stay in political power in this country for almost half a century and not have corrupt ties to uh, foreign adversaries. Uh, I think that people would uh, wake up to that and vote you out. But then. If you're at the top of that party line and you have money and the party uh, wants to keep you in power, they're going to do so. So uh, the, the, the main problem with what we have going on now is a two-party system. This is something that George Washington warned against in his uh, farewell speech. He also mentioned it in his, in his inaugural address, and he warned against a two-party system because he said over time they're going to become the same entity and they're only going to be after power. I think that's where we are now. So uh, there has to be a, some sort of a, a peaceful revolution in this country um, to dismantle the two-party system. And then you'll see 
lot of the corruption uh, go by the wayside because um, the foundation on which the corruption stands will be gone. Speaking of corruption, um, finally, we see an evil man maybe get its comeuppance. I personally like this story a lot because I am a former New Yorker. Uh, headline, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women. State Attorney General report says, um, I believe the State Attorney General is Letitia James. Um, James said Tuesday that her investigation found that Cuomo engaged in many unwelcome and non-consensual touching and made comments of a suggestive nature. James also said that the conduct created a hostile work environment for women. The report details the allegations of 11 women claiming harassment. Investigations found that all 11 women to be credible, adding that their accounts have been corrob corroborated to varying degrees. And again, this they spoke to 179 individuals. This is not just a weird one-off that, you know, uh, 179, 179 individuals and 74,000 pieces of evidence. I mean, this is mostly worse than Bill Clinton. You know, um, maybe someone will have to address somewhere. I don't know. The evidence painted, uh, according to James, a deeply disturbing yet clear picture. And the investigators repeatedly described Cuomo's conduct as unlawful. Uh, now, up until this point, as, as some of you may know, this was uh, just a story that, you know, they were trying to sweep under the rug because of the nursing home incidents where he was sending people, um, you know, testing positive for COVID. Uh to nursing homes and nursing home deaths, death rate skyrocketed uh, in New York. And then this came up to sort of, you know, sweep that under the rug. So I guess my question is, I'll go to you first, Taryn. Um, speak to this, I guess, as a woman. Um, and also, um, how long do you give him? Will he finally resign? Because you're already seeing uh, many prominent political figures on the left, um, Joe Biden himself calling for his resignation. So... It's a loaded answer. One, I have been in an environment as such. So for to be in an environment like that um, is, you know, I, I think one, he should not have the right to resign. I think he should be arrested. Um, and I think he should be fired. And I think he should, um, if, and, and investigated, I don't think he should have a, he shouldn't be being told to resign. What he did is, illegal. So he should be fired. Um, but they're not going to do that. They're going to give him this chance to, you know, resign and nothing's going to be done about it. Just like everybody else that visited an island and everybody else that has, I mean, like there's all these things that just keep coming up and they get brushed under the rug. You know, like it's, you know, I had so much to say, but I have ADD and all these things are like going through my head. Because <laughs> when you were talking, I was like, yes, yes. And I have it in my head and then I bring him. But he, I, like I said, right. I don't think he should be given, you know, the, I don't think he should be given the, the, the chance to resign. And if he, and if he, if it does go to trial, if he is convicted, you know, uh, what I think is going to happen is, you know, I think he has some information and, and not that we're going to have another Epstein. You're start seeing the memes like, you know, you know, that are going to come out pre, you know, Kyomo didn't kill himself, you know? so <laughs> Sure. Well, um, before I go to you, Julia, I just want to take a quick poll of the four of us here. How many um, of us do, do actually think that we will see him behind bars? Or like Taryn is saying, is he just going to resign? How many of you guys say he's going to be behind bars? Nobody? Man, it's disappointing. Uh, Juliet, um, why do you think the left uh, gave him so many chances? Um, how is he still in power? Um, when will we see, finally see a corrupt politician behind bars? You know, uh, we the people have been calling for this um, for months now. And uh, then this comes out and clearly a, lo a lot of us think that, you know, maybe he'll resign, but he's not going to be prosecuted. He needs to be arrested. He needs to be behind bars and he needs to become somebody's prison bitch. Oh, for me, it's really simple. He's in the club. And if you're in the club, they'll protect you. You're insulated as much as they possibly can. Now, with this whole scandal and, you know, I'm, it was investigated and they're still just like gently nudging him to resign. So, you know, he's not in that much trouble. Um, I honestly, maybe it's just the conspiracy theorist in me, but I'm like, what? 
what is about to come out about him that they're giving him an out before some other news story comes out. Maybe, you know, maybe the mainstream media is actually going to cover the nursing home thing. I don't know. Something, this just feels like a red herring to me. It's like, okay, yeah, obviously he's creepy. Have you ever seen him, like, on TV? He screams like creepy boss. So I just, there's something up here. But yeah, you know, if you're in their club, you never get in that much trouble. JV, this is, you're, uh, you know, a resident New Yorker. Um, Although you, you that that may change in the next (laughs) little while. Um, But this is your governor. Um, He's got his nipples pierced. Um, Seems to be a bit of a deviant. Um, You know, what? How'd you, um, how'd you digest this story? Well, I can tell you this. I was never a Cuomo-sexual, ever. That was not me, although other people <laughs> seemed I- said they identified that way. I certainly didn't. Listen, this is, uh, I, you know, Juliet just said something that, uh, that I hadn't really considered, that maybe there's something else that's about to drop, and they're giving him an opportunity to try to save face, because the way Biden, Pelosi, AOC, Chuck Schumer, uh, go down the list of notable Democrats. They all changed their tune almost at the same exact moment because they'd all been kind of backing away from it, kind of just being quiet about it, you know, the way Democrats do. And to answer your question, Benny, I think your question was, when will we see a corrupt politician behind bars? It's when they're a Republican. That's when we'll see a corrupt politician behind bars. We don't see corrupt Democrats behind bars. It doesn't happen. The Justice Department doesn't pursue them. We've seen, you know, Bill Clinton had similar allegations, not just one, several. Obviously, the Monica Lewinsky thing is is the thing that got him impeached, uh, but it didn't go anywhere and he remained in office. He skated through it. And, you know, he's remembered fondly by the media. I didn't say fondling. I said fondly. Um, and, and and Joe Biden has had his accusers, too. And we've got plenty of videotape and pictures where he's creepy as hell. Yet he's in the White House right now and nobody really is talking about it. Cuomo must have something really, really incriminating about to be released. But here's the thing as well. When you're in New York politics... The, the person waiting in the wings could be a lot worse than Cuomo. And I don't mean it from a, from a sexual harassment standpoint. I mean from a liberal standpoint. Um, you know, it's, it, and this, it's the same thing with the presidency. If, if Joe Biden ends up leaving office, which I anticipate he will within the next two years, what are we going to be stuck with? We're going to be stuck with Kamala Harris? My God, that's going to be a disaster. We got the same problem in New York. If, if you know, Cuomo is everything you've said he is. He's a monster in so many ways. He's a thug. But if Letitia James gets in there, because that's she's politically motivated. If, um, you know, one of these other AOC runs for, for governor, I, who knows? Uh, you know, it, it could be worse for us here in New York. And, and that's like what you said, Benny. I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not a New York resident for a hell of a lot longer. Um, but it's, it's curious that they've turned on him. And did you see the slideshow that he, that he had during his speech yesterday that he released? Showing, Look, I kiss and hug everybody. I didn't see too many slides of him with his hand up some girl's shirt which is one of the accusations. I didn't see too many slides or pictures of him showing uh, somebody in his office the the humidor, the cigar humidor that Bill Clinton gave him in making a cigar reference to that female while she was behind a closed door in his office, which she was made to feel very uncomfortable. So, you know, this, this is a, it's a real sham what he's trying to do. I'm amazed at how long he's held in there, given the pressure that is building on him, but he remains to defiant however i don't see him really withstanding this over time not when all of the other prominent democrats have turned against him the media is starting to as well i don't think he can survive it i mean if anybody could it's him because he's got the hubris and the ego to do it but i just don't see how he can do it i don't think he's going to go to jail i I don't think he's going to go to jail but i don't think he survives in office Right. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, I think it's, a, it's probably a good sign, uh, you know, for, for us who, who don't want him in power in that state anymore, that CNN has, you know, picked up on this story. You know, that's usually a good litmus test to see, you know, um, you know, all that. And, um, you know, also just because he does it to everybody doesn't make it right. <laughs> you know, I mean, he does it to a guy 
a kid, a woman, you know, um, there's something. Listen, I, I, I'm Italian. And, I'm, I'm yeah. Italian. I grew up Italian. My mother was born in Italy, um, even though last name Johnson doesn't suggest that. But but I truly was born up in an Italian family. And, you know, we kiss and hug everybody. That's the way you greet people in an Italian family. He's an Italian. So I get that part of it. But that's not what he's being accused of. The, the accusations right. are far more serious than that. You can take it from here, JV, if you want. All right, I, I just want to talk briefly. We don't. We only have a couple minutes left. I want to talk briefly about uh, the power of the squad, AOC, Corey Bush, who is a, a freshman congressman from the St. Louis area. Uh, we've had this moratorium, or this uh, yeah moratorium on on evictions over the last I don't know what's it been eighteen months or so, and it's been a real difficult thing for landlords specifically to navigate. L listen, I understand protecting people. Uh, during a time when there was a lot of confusion, there were people had to, were forced to stay home by the government, etc. But as a, as a landlord myself, and I'm I'm not talking about you know a hundred uh, rental units. I'm talking I have I own a building that has four apartments in it. I bought it as part of my you know ultimate retirement plan, and I've got tenants in this building that haven't paid rent in over a year, and they know I can't evict them. So. Biden did what I considered to be the right thing for a change, and he let the, the eviction ban expire at the end of July. But then he got pressure from the radicals in the Democrat Party, AOC, Cori Bush, uh, Bernie Sanders, and they said, you have to extend this thing, and he caved to it. But here's the thing that bothers me the most about it, Taryn, is that this is what Biden said about it. Look, the courts made it clear that the existing moratorium was not constitutional. And that it wouldn't stand. But he did it anyway, Taryn. He knows it's wrong. And he did it anyway. What are your thoughts on that? Honestly, I don't think he knows anything that he's doing or not doing. It's not him. You know, it's it's the people that's, that stand out of the limelight, the you know, Kamala and all of that. It's Pelosi's. And I still say the Clintons are involved. Obama's involved. I mean, they're all they're the ones that are running this country and they're, you know, canceling culture, you know, doing all this stuff to, to mold to what they want, you know, for the socialism and then the control and all the money at the end of it. Yeah. Another thing he said, Juliet, which I find very disturbing, he conceded that the new, the new uh, this new moratorium will likely face legal challenges because he knows as based on the Supreme Court ruling that it's unconstitutional. But here's what he said about it. At a minimum, by the time it gets litigated, it'll probably give people some additional time. So he knows it's illegal. He knows it's going to get litigated. He knows that ultimately he's going to lose. But his justification, well, it buys him a little bit more time. Should the, I thought the President of the United States swore an oath to uphold the laws of the Constitution. This is just one more example where he knows he's blatantly disregarding the laws of the United States and the Constitution of the United States. Oh, yep. You're absolutely right on that. And honestly, it's because they don't want us to be able to own houses. They want to take private property and they're doing it in a very gentle way in the past when there was a socialist takeover they just you know showed up and said this is mine now but they're doing this in a very crafty way but because i mean you're a landlord so you understand that those tenants when you can finally get them out the chances of you ever actually recovering any of that money from these people very low i mean you could take them to court for the rest of your life they're not probably capable of paying you that so the longer they squeeze landlords the more people when they finally can get these tenants out are just going to sell because you know it's like been a horrible thing and they need to get what money they can and i i mean i i believe when i was reading about blackrock that it's it's small time landlords people that just own two houses and rent one of them are like the second biggest block of homeowners and then above that is now like you know it's becoming investment firms like blackrock and biden has three people that used to work for blackrock in his administration now so you know he's helping them out too they can just come in and buy all of those houses and buildings that i mean i don't i can't imagine people not paying rent for an entire year yeah, it's good. It's, it's been it, terrible. We're starting. We've lapped the year mark, and we're going into the second year of this. They haven't paid rent. I've got two of four apartments that are doing this to me. 
they're receiving the either the either they're still employed or they're receiving the enhanced unemployment. They've all got the stimulus money. They've gotten all this government help, yet they just know they don't have to pay rent because there's nothing I can do about it. Benny, what are your thoughts on all this uh, as we wind up this show tonight? Yeah, well, uh, I think that the the overall um, direction that the deep state wants to push this is to push us law-abiding citizens to the brink so we can start protesting in the streets. Um, I'm, I don't know if you've seen the videos from uh, France um, over the weekend. They had thousands upon thousands, probably tens of thousands, maybe a hundred thousand. I don't know. It was a sea of people, um, you know, protesting lockdowns and vaccine passports and other things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, the government just rolls in and declares, uh, you know, pretty much a martial law. And now the federal government has jurisdiction over those communities and uh, can establish curfews. And so I think the conspiracy theorist in me is, is, is looking down the road and saying that they probably want that because it would give them the ultimate power at martial law in almost every major city in the United States. They don't have that right now. Uh, so I think that, I think that's, that's the direction it's going. And, and, you know, you, you almost can't avoid it. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's an evil type of entity that is running our country. I think that, uh, the government has gotten out of control. It's, uh, it's too big now and it's going to implode on itself. And our only sort of worldly hope is that the government incompetence, <laughs> you know, um, the fact that government is so incompetent, I don't know if they could run a vaccine passport <laughs> uh, system. I don't know if they could, you know, uh, uh, you know, control, you know, like we talked about before with the mileage on our on our vehicles and all that. I hope that government incompetence uh, continues at uh, at an embarrassing rate, so that they all this they, all these things just implode on themselves. Well, I wish more and more people would recognize how incompetent the government is, and if you look at any large-scale or even small-scale government program, how riddled with incompetence and waste and fraud and, you know, pick another 10 descriptions of bad things and throw it in there because they do not work. And they and overruns, too. Every time they say something's going to cost $100 billion, it ends up costing $900 billion. Uh, because they can't, uh, they can't tell you the truth of what it's going to end up going going to end up being. Anyway, we've reached the end of the program. Taryn, thank you so much for being with us to, again. I appreciate that. Juliet, good to see you as well. Uh, Benny, excellent job in Brit's shoes tonight. Uh, how did it feel? Did it feel okay? You feel? Did you feel the heat? If, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't like being the top right. I'm, I'm too close <laughs> to the sun up here. I, I don't like it. Well, you did a great <laughs> but, job. Uh, I, I had fun. Thank you. Good. Well, thanks for doing yeah. that. Um, we'll see everybody again. Please subscribe. Please hit the like button. Share the program with your friends. It's the Independence Gang. We'll see you next time. Yeah.